The views on a breath of fresh air podcast reflects the parties involved, and we encourage you all to use it as a conversational tool that will lead to personal studies of your own. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Welcome to a breath of fresh air podcast. Here with your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nakaz Gay. As a young person, Christianity can be so foggy, like smoke in the mirrors and so unclear. But we're here to bring you a breath of fresh air. And God just continuing in prayer a little while longer. When your people go to war against their enemies, wherever you send them, And when they pray to the Lord toward the city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea, and uphold their cause. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and give them over to their enemies, who take them captive to their lands far or near, and if they have a change of heart in the land where they are held captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captives and say, We have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly. And if they turn back to you with all their heart and their soul in the land of their enemies who took them captive and pray to you toward the land you gave their ancestors, toward the city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name, then from heaven, your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Forgive all the offenses they have committed against you and cause their captives to show their mercy. For they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out of Egypt, out of that iron-smelted furnace. May your eyes be open to your servant's plea and to the plea of your people Israel. And may you listen to them whenever they cry out to you. For you singled them out from all the nations of the world to be your own inheritance. Just as you declared through your servant Moses, when you, Sovereign Lord, brought our ancestors out of Egypt. Amen. The temple envisioned by David, but built by Solomon, was finally completed. The time had finally come. However, just one more thing was left. The temple needed to be filled with the presence of God. This week, we are discussing 1 Kings chapter 8. As always, be blessed and enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of A Breath of Fresh Air Podcast. Here with your host, Nakaz Gay. And Earl Roberts. Hopefully everyone's having a great week out there. Hopefully your new year is going off to a good start still. It should be January 21st or someplace around that realm when this episode comes up. So hopefully you know you're still sticking to your goals, you're sticking to your plans. Hopefully your walk with God, the time you're spending with God is still being intact. Um, yeah, just hopefully everything's going great, man. How's your week been? Uh, so far, so good. Can't lie. Pretty 
Still going strong with the diet, you know what I'm saying? Still going strong with the Amen. Yep, with um working out. And hopefully I could keep pushing, you know what I'm saying? How about you? My week's been going pretty hectic. Get some submittals and stuff at work, but it's it's the life of an engineer. Some t- some some weeks are better than others. Every client thinks their job is the most important. Of so course. It's, it's awesome. It's it's <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. All right, so this week we have a very long chapter to go through. Okay. It's 66 verses. It's interesting too, right? Because like, even before the pod, I was like rereading the chapter again. Listen to it while I'm on my drive here. Rereading it again, I was just, again, I was just like, you have me asking you random questions like, when did this happen? When, when did this happen? And it's, mm-hmm. it's so interesting, like the details you can miss when you're like reading the Bible distracted. Mm-hmm. And just listen to the Bible distractedly when things we aren't like actually like processing information. So there are going to be some questions or some things other people might get out of this chapter. Hopefully it's insightful. Hopefully, you know, we can just get into it. Um, First Kings chapter 8. You want to give them a rundown on like how we got, got here or what happened previously? Yep. So we still having convers- we still on the conversation of the temple last week. The week before last, we spoke on um, Solomon starting the temple and you know building the temple and how they outsource with the king of Tyre just to get that just to get that going. And last week, our Zoom episode, we went over Solomon's house, and so now both of those projects were massive projects. His house was palatial, very spacious. A column fifteen cubits wide. His his columns were, you know what I'm saying. Um, a lot of cherubims, a lot of lions, you know, a lot of craftsmanship, I would say. I believe his his temple took his, I'm sorry, his palace, his, his house, took about 13 years, if I'm not mistaken. And the temple took about seven, you know. And so in in total, if if they weren't run, run concurrently, which I doubt they were, <clears throat> that would have been like 20 years total of just building projects. You know, and so after those two are completed building, we get this episode, you know. So this is taking place right after all of the construction has has completed. Yeah. So now let's get into the into the word. Yep. So we're from first Kings chapter eight. Ooh, not King James. Mercy. <laughs> I'd make this a little bit <laughs> That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Fun, they said. <laughs> all right. So, First Kings eight. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel, to King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they may bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is Zion. Therefore, all the men assembled with King Solomon at the at the feast of the month of Ethiam, which is the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came. And the priest took up the ark. That they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting and the holy finishings that were in the tabernacle. The priests and the Levites brought them up. So I just want to pause there, right? So here we already see some, a lot of information that could be easily missed, right? Mm-hmm. Because, so now, did the, I'm pretty sure the Bible said which month the temple was finished. Right? 
Yeah, the, the temple was finished, I think it was the seventh month. No, this is like, so I think it was actually finished in the eighth month. And this, when they, like, when they doing the dedication was the seventh month. So it was like, he waited almost a whole, a whole, a whole year, year okay, okay. to like dedicate the temple. And part of the reason historically, they say we go back and look when the temple was dedicated, it was like after the, like after all, like the harvest time and everything. So it was like, give the people time to like, you know, actually be in Jerusalem, be home. And it was also supposed to be around the festival of feasts. Yeah. That's what I was going to mention. So people are already there. So he was like, all right, this is the perfect time. And some historians say this was also a year of Jubilee as well mm. when they dedicate the temple. So it was like a big, it was a great time to be home. Your debt's forgiven, you know. <coughs> it's servants released. Get your family line back. Like it's, like, it's a great time to be back. And then also we see like he, he learned from David's mistake. He say, okay, the Levites and the priests need to go grab the ark. We ain't, we ain't doing this no funny way. No one touching me to have the proper people in place to make sure the ark is transported correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was laughing when I read that because we don't even hear about no other mishaps. No, with that with that ark of the covenant, David yeah. made sure for sure. David made sure, and then the last thing too, and this is a question I actually pre-poured. Like, what happened to the tabernacle after the temple was built? Because we know the tabernacle was still in was still in Gibeon, and so like we hear all the other furnishings. Remember, the ark was with there where the tabernacle was at this point. Because David, you know, brought the tabernacle and everything, <coughs> brought the ark to Gibeon, and so now we're like, okay, what's happening to like whatever happened? To, like, what, like what happened to the tabernacle after? Because all these furnishings came from the tabernacle now to be placed in the temple. I have no clue. You know, to be and you know, it's so funny, bro. It's like. That's when you know you're in the word, you know, bro, because who who thinks about that? You know? <laughs> like, who thinks about that? You know, like I get a new car, right? You might say, what happened to the old car? You might say it, you know what I mean? Or you might say, oh, you get a new car. You know what I mean? That's what's up. Like, but that's that's a good question. You know, that's something we, we probably got to try to do some, some more research on off mic so that next week we could... You know, probably get into that if it if there is anything. <laughs> if there is any, I, I just found it interesting. Yeah, and then so we see also in verse five. Also, King Solomon and the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for a multitude. Man, we see when Solomon throws a shindig, mm-hmm. he goes all out. See, but I. Right. Yes, but also when you think about it, it's like you can't not go all out during this occasion. It's too much going for everybody to not have like a big celebration because number one, this the um the festival season, like like you're saying, mm-hmm. right? This the time when they was already gonna have feasts mm. and stuff. And it's also the Feast of Tabernacles specifically is the day they had this open, this opener. You know what I'm saying? It's um in the seventh month, Etanim is, is what it's called. And so it's like, we have the Tabernacle of Tabernacles right here, which is the temple. You know, that's that's based on the cars just saying. We have a, a much bigger house for the for the Ark of, of God and stuff like that. And because of that, we can't be half-stepping. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, and and you was just mentioning that this is after the Day of Atonement, or I think I think I think the Tabernacle is like it takes place like similar to the day, like yeah, five days after the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, is when the Tabernacle takes place. My bad. 
five years, five days after the Day of Atonement. And so, if this was the Day of Atonement specifically, that's a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Because remember the day when you know they put all the sins. The scapegoat represents mm-hmm. all of our sins. They released out into the wild. You what know what I'm saying? What's happening? I don't know. <laughs> so many, so many questions. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but I'm like anyway. But to your point though, Solomon, we do know he's a high roller, and so imagine a high roller having a, a reason to go all out. To go all out. <laughs> they really have, to have a lot of sheep. And oxen, like, because first of all, we like we tangent, but we know Solomon used to have this feast every day with too many animals, right? Mm-hmm. And then to be sacrificing all these animals, like, where are all these animals coming from? It was a number no no one could number. Yeah, <laughs> it had to be a number. Yeah, it had to be a number, <laughs> but no man could number it though. No. So, because I'm like, what's like really and true? Like, there's a lot of animals, bro. <laughs> yeah, but. You just go to show. See, I don't know, you know. I don't know because, bro, and, and the craziest thing about that too, though, is that. It's how the shepherds ain't running out of sheep. Right? And they don't have refrigerators too. You can't start. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they have ways of preserving, yeah. I'm assuming. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But I don't think they could preserve. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But I believe that they can't preserve meat nearly as long as we can. We can no. put something in a freezer. You know yeah, what I'm no. saying? And so this, this cattle, this cow, this. You, you, this getting killed when it's time to eat, and we know enough people are gonna eat. You know what I mean? Like we exactly. ain't wasting this, you know. And so they, I feel like because of that, they would have to have, they would have had to have even more cattle than we can or livestock than we could even imagine, because they can't preserve this. We need enough for every day. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, boy. Israel yeah. was really a wealthy nation. That's but, all I'll say. But then it's not. It's it really do seem like. A lot of people on, you know, like how in the Bahamas, a lot of people just work in the hotel. Like we mentioned this like two episodes ago. I feel like a lot of people, like their job was tending to livestock. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a, the shepherd industry was pretty big back then, you know? Fair enough, but that's still a lot of animals. You know what I'm saying? See, but then you could be someone like Jacob. Jacob could do his little contraption with the sticks in the water. You know what I mean? He could get them to produce. He can mass produce these sheep. Yeah, and they probably had Jacob recipe like, to a T to a T at that tea. point. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, quite possible. Yeah. Shoot, that's their granddaddy after all. For sure. It's the father of the nation. That's wild. Yeah, that is true. That is very wild. All right. So now, verse six. The priest brought in the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord to its place, into the inner sanctuary of the temple, to the most holy place, under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. I really want to see how the ark of the covenant like truly looked. Mm-hmm. The poles extended so that the ends of the poles could not be seen from the holy place, and in front of the inner sanctuary, they could not be seen from the outside. And they are there to this day. Quote unquote. To the time to the, when this was, was written. written yeah. Nothing was in the ark except the two tablets of stone which Moses put there at Horeb. So now, again, point again, right? If you go back to Exodus, pretty sure this is still in Exodus. If you go back to Exodus, can't remember the chapter off the top of my head. But when the ark of the covenant was originally, you know, constructed and made and molded and crafted, there were three things that went that went into the that went into the ark. 
One was a pot. I think it was a golden pot of mana. The, to the tablets of the Ten Commandments, the two tablets of stone. And then the second, the third thing was Aaron's staff that had budded. So, again, I was asking Krasi before pot, like, so where the pot of mana and where the pot, and where the rod, they, at some point, they disappeared at this point, right? <laughs> but I was telling, like I said, like, one of the beautiful things about this, when you think about it, is like, what was still there? God's holy word. And if you For think sure. about the, like, one, the symbolism of everything in the temple and what this, um, what, the, um, what the Ten Commandments represent. And then if you also think about the journey the Ark had up until this point to get into the, into the temple. Because, I mean, just to refresh everyone's memory, after the Philistines came and, you know, sacked the city and they took the Ark with them. So the, the Ark was outside Jerusalem for a point in time. Then it came back by the, the, the cart that wasn't, that wasn't guided, but it just had some oxen that the angels had to direct back to the Israelite camp. And it was sitting in the guy's house for years yep. before David even brought the ark back. And so it's, it's, I personally can't remember the Bible saying what happened to the pot of honey and to Aaron's staff. But at some point they got removed from the ark throughout this whole tumultuous ride the ark has been on. But God's holy word still remained in the ark to this day untouched. And I think that's just a powerful symbolism. Like... Throughout it all, God's word still remains the same, untouched, holy, sanctified, set apart. I just, I just find some beauty in that. Yeah, so I was trying to do some some searching. I don't know, but in Hebrews 9, they do mention Aaron's rod, um, golden pot of mono, and the tablets being in the Ark of the Covenant. So I this is a shot in the dark, but... I'm assuming at some point in time, maybe it, maybe the rest of those things just got put in the actual temple because we had the temple and we just left the, um, what's it called, the Ten Commandments in the ark. Could be because I'm like, with the mana still, because they ain't getting mana no more. Yeah, that's true. Like with the mana, like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I, I'm not prepared to have a mana conversation. See, but uh, but now nah, this is a, this a, a bit of a tangent, and I used to stray away from saying. This type of stuff, because you know, people who are non Sabbatarians <coughs> might feel like, like we have a bias, but I do have a bias. You know, what I'm saying I have a bias towards the Ten Commandments. Um, I heard a pastor by the name of Doug Bachelor say when he was talking about the Sabbath, he say, he said that when you have, you have the temple, you know, you have the holy place, you have the most holy place. In the most holy place, you have the Ark of the Covenant, mm -hmm. right? And in the Ark of the Covenant, you have the Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. right? And in the Ten Commandments, the only commandment that talks about holiness is the Fourth Commandment. Mm -hmm. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And he just, he, 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 his, his analogy was showing as things got holier, right? In, in regard to the temple, the, 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 most, the most sacred part of that temple is within the Ark of the Covenant, which only stored the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. Not even the Mosaic laws, they were on the side. You know what I'm saying? The Ten Commandments were in the Ark. And in the Ten Commandments, it, it had the Fourth Commandment, you know, to keep it holy, you know. And I, I just feel like that's remarkable. And it's a testament of, like, the things that God created, you know what I'm saying? And the sacredness put in place of, you know, the things that God created. And to the, to the conversation of mono, 
came from heaven. They had a part of mana that stayed for some time. In for the some ar- point of time. You know what I'm saying? In the Ark of the Covenant. Like, talk about holy things, you know, that, that are from God. And, you know, that just kind of um, made me think about that while we're on the topic of the temple. Indeed. And we're going we we about to talk about holiness, right? Some more. Um, in verse, did I finish that? Nothing was in the ark except the two tablets of stone, which Moses put there in Horeb. When the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel, when they came out of the land of Egypt, mercy. Hmm. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. So the priests could not continue ministering because, because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Mm. And that's the serious thing. So now we see God's presence came and started to dwell in to dwell in the temple. Wow! And it was because of His presence they couldn't even go back in. And it's it's so interesting too because now, like you know, you hear all the cliches. Ooh, man, I'm gonna have to break this episode up into two. But <laughs> I'm like, we want to go to episode ten, you know, verse ten. <laughs> but um, so like when, so when you start thinking about it, right? You start thinking about the glory of God. Right, and you gotta remember, like it's it's literally like the embodiment of God's presence. You know what I'm saying? Like it's hard to wrap your mind around God's presence. So, like we say, we use the words like cloud and glory, but like you think like when you're in God's presence, He's good, He's love. So people might actually think like, why, why you feel the weight? Like God's immense goodness and His purity. Your own sins can't dwell in the presence of God. If we mm. go back to, what is it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus? N- Numbers with Leviticus? the presence? Well, which one was Andy called? I think it was Leviticus. Which and one are we talking about? When, when we it, was, s- it was Leviticus. So like, that's like, because that's essentially what God was telling them, like, hey, to enter, because remember, oh, after, yeah, 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 after yeah. Exodus, the, the temple was done, and Leviticus means, and he called, because he called out to Moses from the, te- from the, from the, from the, from the tent. Tent of meeting, yeah. From the tent of meeting. And essentially he was saying like, hey, man, my presence, since I'm actually dwelling with you guys now, my presence is going to be too much for you guys. Here are ways that you can get into my presence and not die. Mm-hmm. And so now the presence of God is going to be over. It's going to be overwhelming. So it's because it's like your sinfulness cannot dwell in the presence of God. So you're going to feel that. Mm-hmm. You might be and 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 the thing about it is like you, you can be the most sin-free person ever, but we're still sinful beings. We still have sinful thoughts. You know what I'm saying? And to to an extent, like me and Shelly, I'm gonna say to an extent, none of us can be in the presence of God right now. I I I did. I mean, it is what it is. I don't. Yeah, that's, I, that's just the truth. Like, I would like to feel like I can dwell in the presence of God right now, and I'll probably just be like, whoa. Hmm. Yeah, that's something. But the presence of God is a showstopper. Think about it, man. Like, but you can tangibly like feel it, like almost like a force feel. Like, whoa! I can't yeah. even. I can't even enter here. I can't proceed. <laughs> You cannot proceed. All right. In verse 10, and it came to pass. Okay. Bang. So the priest cannot continue ministering. So in verse 12, then Solomon spoke. The Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. One more thing, right? So now you really think about it, right? Even though God didn't really ask for them to build them a permanent house, right? If we go back to the desert, they only didn't build a permanent house in the desert was because they were nomadic people at that point. So the tabernacle at that point had to be a tent because they were living in tents and it had to be able to move 
when they moved. Yep. But God gave you guys a promise when you came out of Egypt, as we saw a couple of verses again, that, hey, I will give you the land and you will, you know, settle there, conquer there. Your, your children will be as numerous as the sand on the sea, the stars in the sky. God has already given them the land. You guys are currently dwelling in the land. In the timeline-wise, it's like um, they've, they've been in this land for like almost like 500 years, bro. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And so now it's like you guys have permanent homes. Now you see someone saying, guess what, God? You have, you have a place to dwell amongst us forever because your place amongst us shouldn't, it, it doesn't need to be temporary anymore. And to, to David's point, you know what I'm saying? David's like, yo, I'm in a cedar house and the ark of God is in like in a tent. Like, no, God has already, God has already done above and beyond what he should have done for us. And we still ain't perfect people. You know, David definitely wasn't the most sinless man out there. Sinless for a fact. But now, and, and, and so you can see like, the presence of God should have been a more permanent thing to them. Even if David didn't do it, even if Solomon didn't do it, I think at some point someone may have actually come along and I'd say, you know what? Students. Yeah, like it, ain't, like it ain't really adding up. Even if God ain't asked for it, it's sometimes, it's, I mean, I would say sometimes God shouldn't have to ask you to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Even though like he might not say do it, like certain things like God's like, it should click to you at some point that maybe the house of God should also be permanent. You know what I'm saying? Shouldn't You probably even shouldn't take this long, but... You guys were developing nation. You had other things to worry about. Yeah, y'all had a lot going on, so. Quote, unquote. But, yeah, man, like, that's, it's, it's interesting, too, because, like, none of the judges did it. Yeah, and, and to me, it kind of, you know, empowers me to to be zealous for God. You remember that that guy who was zealous for God? I think he was, like, Aaron's son or something yeah. like that. Like, oh, like, how could I ever forget him? <laughs> he killed people in the act. Oh, yeah, though. This a call back to a story in Numbers when, mm-hmm. you know, the... The Israelites, they were having relations with the nations that surround. I believe it was the Amorites specifically. And they had a meeting. They were like, yo, we got to stop. You feel me? And this one dude, he didn't get the memo. Nope. He he went with his girl. You know what I'm saying? In front of the whole assembly, they saw him going to go going to go do, do his thing. And that guy, I can't remember his name, but he took his spear through both of those. And God was appreciative of his zeal. You know, fam. Now, this is another opportunity where we can see someone being zealous for God and um and David having the idea and also Solomon um accomplishing it. And another thing you mentioned was that in I think it's first Kings chapter six, I wanna say. <coughs> yeah, first Kings chapter six was the four hundred and eightieth year that um that after the Israel after Israelite had left Egypt. When it was Solomon's fourth year, and that's when they began to start talking about building the temple. And so, if if they having this meeting or this celebration twenty years after, this would actually be the five hundredth five hundredth year after, and the year of jubilee is the fiftieth year. So they would have had ten jubilees. <coughs> Mercy, you know what I'm saying. So this would have had to be the year of jubilee. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the fiftieth year. Yeah. Either way, like that's still like God, man. Oh, I I had to search up. The guy's name, Phineas, son of Eliezer, the son, the son of the son of Aaron, the priest. Yeah, yeah, boy, he was he was not playing. Yeah, he was. <laughs> they caught him in a bad mood. But think about it, though, bro. The year of jubilee is the fiftieth year. This is the tenth fifty. This is the five hundredth year. They had to do it big. This yeah. had to have been a big celebration. And boy, was it big. And boy, was it. All right. So now in verse fourteen. The king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel. While all the assembly of Israel was standing, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who spoke with his mouth 
to my father David and with his hand fulfilled it, saying, Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, Whereas it in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well in your in, you did well that was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build a temple. <laughs> but your son who will come from your body, he shall build a temple for my name. So the Lord has fulfilled his word, which he spake. And he have fulfilled the position of my father David and sit on the throne of Israel. And, the, and as the Lord promised, I have built a temple for the, Lord, for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And there I have made a place for the ark, which is the covenant of the Lord which was made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Man, it's like all in all, it's like a big old like callback to everything. It's it like, it feels like the icing on the cake. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. it just feels like, you know, Israel should only go up from here. Yeah. And we've felt this way before. Yeah, I know. We felt this way before. And I know. as I was reading <laughs> this, this was so reminiscent to me of like the books in the Torah and then Joshua and even a little bit of Judges, bro. Up until we got to um Sam, the book of Samuel's, the Samuel's, there was there was like an achievable goal for the Israelites. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They were the, of a developing nation, straight through like the book of Judges. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it was like we gonna we gonna they working towards being established. You know they working towards getting closer to God and just accomplishing things. And when they got a king, it was like you know cool. You know they got a king. Uh, first king was kind of shaky. Second king was goody, and he had on a bad note. Now we have our third king, and to me, this is a this is a new peak that they have <laughs> never got gotten before. But it reminds me of when they were just young and coming up as a nation. You no, know, he come in, he doing some good things. He getting some things done. He ain't, ain't doing nothing, you know, mind boggling, stupid. <laughs> hey, he on a good path. For real. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven and said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you who keep your covenant and mercy with, with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. You have kept the promise you promised your servant, David, my father. You have, brought, you have, you have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand. And it is as this day. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel, only if your sons take heed to their way, that they walk before me as you have walked before me. And now I pray, O God, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David, my father. It's actually a powerful prayer, you know. Yeah, and, and bro, and it's like I'm saying, it, this remind me of when Moses was saying, if you do right, you know what I'm saying? Right is going to continue. You're going to continue getting blessings. The same thing with Joshua, you mm -hmm. know? Um, yeah, so. It's a powerful prayer. So now in verse 27, but God will indeed dwell, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and heaven cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. Yet regard the prayer of your servant with his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you today. 
and your eyes may be open towards this temple night and day. Therefore, the place which you said, my name shall be there, and you may hear the prayer which your servant makes towards this place. And you may hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when you when they pray towards this place. Here in heaven your dwelling place, and when you care, you forgive. When anyone sin against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath, and it comes and takes an oath there before your altar in this temple, then hear in heaven and act and judge your servants, condemning the wicked, bring his way on his head and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. When your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you, and when they turn back to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication to you in this temple, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people and bring them back to the land which you gave their fathers. For when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, when they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sins of your servants, your people Israel, that you may teach them the good way in which they should walk. Then send rain on your land, which you have given your, your people as inheritance. When there is a famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, when there is enemy besieges them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by your people Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hand towards this temple, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act, and give everyone according to all his ways, whose hearts you know. For you alone know the hearts of all the sons of man, that they may fear you all the days that you live in the land which you have given your fathers. Moreover, concerning a foreigner, who is not of your people Israel, but has come from a far country, for your name's sake, for they will hear your great name and your strong hand and your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays towards this temple, ne'er in have hair in heaven your dwelling place. And do according to all for which the foreigner calls you, and that all the peoples of earth may know your name and fear you, as you do your people Israel, and that they may know that this temple, which I have built, is called by your name. When your people go to battle against their enemy, wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord towards the city, which you have chosen, and the temple which I have built for your name, then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy and take them captive to the land of the enemy far or near. Hmm. Yet when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of those who take them captive, saying, We have sinned and done wrong, have committed wickedness. And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who led them away captive and pray to you toward their land, which you gave to their fathers in the city which you have chosen and the temple which I have built for your name, then here in heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. And forgive your people who have sinned against you and all their transgressions which have done which have transgressed against you and grant them compassion before those who took them captive that they may have compassion on them. For they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out of Egypt, out of the iron furnace, that your eyes may be open to the supplication of your servant and the supplication of your people Israel and to listen to them whenever they call on you. For you are separated amongst, for you have separated them from among the peoples of the earth to be your inheritance." 
and you spoke by your servant Moses, saying, When you brought our fathers out of Egypt, O Lord God. Man, I'm not even going to lie, right? Mm -hmm. That prayer is way more powerful when you read it out loud. I read it in my mind earlier and it didn't do it justice. I listened to it and didn't do it justice. But it was so different. I was just reading it out loud just now. Like, bro, that's a really powerful prayer. And it's, and it's so interesting too. Like some of the stuff we see him talking about and asking for, it's like, when you know the Bible, one, it makes so much more sense why certain things were done, but it's like, you can see, like, he almost saying like, God, like, yeah, given history of people will probably mess up. But Lord, when they are at their lowest point and they turn back to you, even in the midst of their enemies, and they pray towards you to pray towards this land, hear their prayer in your dwelling place, oh God, <laughs> and hear their supplication. Like, like it's, it's, bro, it's powerful. It is. And you can tell this, this guy, he lives up to his reputation of being a wise man because you ain't saying if. You ain't like Moses and them who they couldn't have wisdom because they like you just can't tell the future. They mm -hmm. didn't have no no point of reference, Moses and, and Joshua. Both of them were saying, Don't. You understand? They were saying, Don't do mm -hmm. this. Just and they're saying, if you do this, this is going to happen. Solomon is saying, when we turn away and we are punished and there's famine. We go to war and we lose. If we turn to you, Lord, hear us out still. You know what I'm saying? It ain't even no question about the probability of that. This already happened in the book of Judges. This happened almost every chapter in Judges. You read, oh, they was doing good. The next one turned to idols. Now they get they get captured. You know what I'm saying? Like these things, it keep on happening. But Solomon, and Solomon making old with God saying like, we, I understand our people, you know, you know, and we we hard head, you know, and just promise us that you will continue to be patient and continue to be forgiven for us. To us, one thing that he's saying, oh no, a few things I had highlight highlighted. Mm -hmm. Before you say that, I want to say mm -hmm. one more thing that I, I just find interesting, and it's mm -hmm. a contrast in how we do things now. See, Solomon prayed this powerful prayer, right? In your mind, how you picture him, just straight out, even before I even show like what the Bible say how he was. How you picture him? I picture him kind of like in front of our audience. You picture him kneeling like, now? Or just I, speaking? I actually don't. I picture him standing up. But like like the Bible show us all the movies. Like they, an Old Testament, like how do you actually pray back then? Right now when we pray, we kneeling down, bowing our heads, falling our hands. No disrespect to that because we saying that's reverence, right? Mm -hmm. In the Old Testament, you see how Solomon did. He arms outstretched looking up towards heaven. Mm. And the beauty in that was it was shows like they were like open and trying to communicate their open, like coming to God, like just like, I wouldn't say raw, but like, God, I'm opening, I'm, I'm talking to you, I'm coming and bringing everything to you. Mm -hmm. Like you ain't trying to hide nothing from God. So like you see Solomon talking to God, like he praying to God, but he like arms outstretched head towards heaven. Like mm. I'm coming to you, God, versus their heavenly father. Forgive us this day. Yeah, because I was wondering in the Bible, I was wondering in the Bible, just a little tangent. Where is the like, where is it mandatory that we have to close our eyes? You know what I'm saying? Because I remember we used to be in the cafeteria and someone would say, I feel like, for some reason, I feel like monks make that up. Don't quote me on this. I just feel like that just come from, <laughs> no one, the history of Christianity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's just a tradition that just got passed down when the earlier days of the church, 
and it just yeah because we used to be in the cafeteria in college and you know we'd pray over our food and someone would say oh yes i mean we used to do that as a child right but like back then it was like huh, like oh my god you know what i mean like but as a as a adult i'm like okay you know what i'm saying like i don't i don't, I don't get the point you know what i'm saying are we supposed to close your eyes and say do you pray when you're driving do you close <laughs> your eyes then like let's be for real you know what i'm exactly. saying like i ain't disrespectful or anything like that but i'm just trying to understand what's the what's the cons like what's the what's the I don't know the fundamental behind it, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, but go for it. Yeah. To the things that I highlighted, you know, it, it was just so, it was just so specific. Um, mm-hmm. I'm reading from the King James cause I know it's not going to be highlighted if I changed, <laughs> <laughs> if I changed the version, when thy people Israel be smitten down with the enemy because they have sinned against the end. Um, and, um, and confess thy name and pray. Etc. Um, I think about when people get. I think about when people like lose battles, or a better example I, I'll say is the one um, verse thirty five where it says, "When heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee." Mm-hmm. I think about famines mm-hmm. today because it's like we know that God. Is the God of nature. Mm-hmm. He's the God of the universe. He controls mm-hmm. anything. And even if it was a natural cause for this famine to happen, it's still, he has to permit these things to happen because the, the second he wanted to rain, it's going to rain. The second he commands it to rain, it will rain, you know? And so I think about times and when we hear about nations that have famine, you know, and I often ponder and I try not to overstep a boundary because it could be a little dangerous when you assume, oh, because you live in a nation we are ho- that is not in a farming, that means we holier than them, or that means we sin less than them, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes I do believe that it is a specific, I believe that it is from God that this is happening, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to just say black and white, every time it's a farming, God is punishing you, but I can see for a fact that when the Bible talks about farming, it's... it's, it's I, pr- I want to say like 70% of the time it's because of a punishment. Yeah, I mean, because even remember like, maybe like 10, 12 episodes ago now at this point. But like when the story with David, when it was, there was a famine happening and he had to go, was it David right there? When the woman come to him and he was crying in the field when they had to go kill the the people. The Ethiopian man? Wait, what people? I'm confused, bro. Make, I'm making up for Saul's mistake when, when Saul went and killed the Gibeonites. Oh, bro, you know, I would have forget that story and never remember it again, bro. <laughs> Bro, that's a blast from the past, bro. I remember it now. This like, this is like, young David. This way, this this he barely was on the run then. Like you know, this before he had catch Saul the first time. Because remember, he was already king now, right? Yeah. And the and, Philistines had conquered the the Gibeonites and and um some some in somewhere in Israel, and he had to pray to God. God, do you think I should I should rescue them? And God was like, Yeah, go rescue them. Not that one. Oh, okay. that's a different. Because remember, like. At some point, Saul killed the Gibeonites, right? Like, mm-hmm. slaughtered them, right? We didn't know about this. Mm-hmm. I remember it was like, a farmer was happening. They was like, what happened? And he was like, yeah, Saul oh, did that, that thing. That, that, that. Okay, and I he was remember like, Saul did that thing, and I need, y'all, I need you to go, like, make up for that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, okay. And so I, David to go kill the people from Saul's household. I was thinking about something completely different, and I was like, bro, that's such a random story. But yeah, I remember, because David was king. He was king. He, okay, yeah, this is when David was king. Oh, we all thought it was random, because like, but it's come, like, years after the fact, but God was like, oh, yep, that's sin. 
But to, to, to the point, like we've seen, I was trying to back up your point, but it's like mm-hmm. multiple instances in the Bible where we see a famine happen and it was permitted by God. Right. And, and that's what shows me is out. Joseph is the best example of that. Yeah. And see, it was permitted by God, right? But Joseph's, I can make an argument that his, the famine was sent to show God's glory rather than a punishment, mm-hmm. right? I can make an argument. I, I might be wrong because... The famine of impact Egypt and Israel alike. You know what I'm saying? Like, who was the target audience here? You know? But then even when we look in the book of Kings, bro, it was a farming for a while, bro. With, um, oh, no. We, we, we going to get there. You know, you know? Oh, we in the book of Kings. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I think it's Second Kings, though. But it was a farming for a while. And we know this was sent from God. And then when we look in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, it's a very popular chapter I'm, I'm learning now. When they talk about blessings and curses, the farming is one of them. You know? Mm-hmm. When I was reading... um. Uh, great controversy by Ellen G. White. In the first chapter, she was talking about the destruction of the temple and the, what what we know in history as the Jewish revolt. She was talking about how there was a famine that happened after the revolt, and all of these things happened around thirty years, thirty plus years around that area after Jesus's crucifixion, and after the Jews was like. His blood will be on our on our hands and on our children. You know what I'm saying? And then we see famine. We see cannibalism as a result of that. And this mm-hmm. is supported by Flavius Josephus's book, Antiquities of the Jews. He's a Jewish historian. Um, what's it called? Historian. Historian. <laughs> I was going to say historiographer. <laughs> He's a, he's a thanks for thanks for the support, bro. He's I a, got you. He's a he's a historian, you. you know. And we can see all of these things. <laughs> we can see it even like outside of Bible, uh, yeah. Jewish history. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And man, tie into and, and we can see these two these two things tying in together, where farming and punishment coincide together. Mm-hmm. You know, bro. It's a, it's some it's some deep stuff. I actually go wait till we get to that story that I know coming up with. The king and the pre prophet and the farming and everything. Mm-hmm. There's, there's an interesting point that we're going to see coming up in the last days too. But anyway, mm-hmm. I go save that. No, other things were highlighted. I felt like we want to tangent. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. We good. We good. But um, yeah, it, it was just that kind of theme, you know, getting mm-hmm. captured by your enemies, mm-hmm. um, pestilences, like locusts and farming and stuff like that. Like the things that we see happening today and we just ignore it like, oh, that's just... I don't even want to use the word, but anyway, that's climate change or that's because of this or that in the third. No, I mean, that's 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 an important thing. I mean, shoot, let's go there. Because if you go into Revelation, you see some of the times and the things now that Jesus coming. A lot of them, I mean, we read, we read, in the, we read like, oh, the sun going to get hot and scorched. But like, a lot of these things is like, bro, what modern people would call climate change mm-hmm. is definitely things the Bible say will happen in the end. It's a prophecy, but you know what I don't discount, bro? The Bible tells us a lot of things with prophecy, but it's not the excruciating detail. Oh, Fox. Right. And so the Bible did not say that it wasn't, quote unquote, climate change. The Bible didn't say that it wasn't a negative impact on the ozone layer that these things happen. The Bible say these things are going to happen. It is a plague, right? But people want to make it seem like, oh, no, y'all say it was a plague from God. You know what I'm saying? But no, it's really because the way we 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 wasn't green and you know we didn't treat the earth right and all of these scientific stuff. But my thing is, if God is saying y'all are doing all of this stuff and I'm removing my protection, so that so that the bots like the impact, the way y'all treat the world, it's gonna you're gonna see the result. Then yes, you know what I'm saying. 
Like, but people try to people try to give you an uh, a reason for for it happening as if it negates the fact of the matter is it was prophesied that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Who two thousand years ago was talking about the ozone layer and climate change and stuff like that? We only have a name for these things now. Now, bro, and, and, and then you gotta remember, like, English is a relatively new language, bro. Right? <laughs> it just so happens that you know people who spoke English dominated the world. Mm-hmm. But the English is a relatively new language, bro. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, like 2,000 years ago, English was definitely not a thing. No. Definitely not a thing. Not even 1,000 years, I don't think. That's yeah. exactly what I'm trying to get at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so you really got to really go back and, and be like, yo, first of all, some of the, like the words, these words didn't, I wouldn't say existed, right? But it definitely wasn't English. Mm-hmm. There might have been words for it. Like, for example, your culture depends on some of the words you have. Mm-hmm. Like, in the Bahamas, we have about, what, two different types of rain? Oh, yeah. We have spraying mm-hmm. and we, we have, have rain. rain. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And if it's raining now, we can say it's storming. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's like probably three words for rain. If you lived in like, what do they call it? Inuit people who live way up north, right? And like mm-hmm. the, the, the people who live like in the ice towns and that, bro, they have like over 20 words to describe rain and snow. <laughs> that's because it's so important to their culture. They have to describe it as many different ways they come. So they could, I, I obviously don't know the words, right? But I'm just saying, so like different words you have based on your culture and the relevance to you. So, I mean, we see some of the things that are described in Revelation. Call them beasts. We are in all the words that else to describe it. Right, but that's, well, that's what we say, bro. Like, <laughs> like when they say stuff is like scarlet, like just the things that they used to describe. Bro, because like, I'm like thinking about it, like, you sh- like, let's just say you, like Moses, bro, you seeing a vision of over like 4,000 years in the future. How would you just mentally, com- like, Bro, people from, like, you take someone from 100 years ago and try to show them some of the stuff we have today, they can't describe that. It would freak me out if I was living even a thousand years ago and I see today. Like, I I don't know. I just watch too much TV, bro. Sometimes you see like, helicopters. You see cars. That's bro. what I'm saying, bro. Like, how do you describe these things, bro? Like, without knowing... Electricity, Without bro. knowing, right, without knowing what electricity is. How do you justify this without automatically assuming this is like some type of sorcery or something bro like, they had a lantern that was attached to the roof but it did not burn right <laughs> right exactly <laughs> they had a bird that they all entered into and, and flew from place to place exactly you know what i'm saying like bro, like, like I, I could imagine i could imagine see now we get to anyway yeah we gotta, we, gotta get, we gotta bring it back to bible but yeah i just feel i just feel like like history and everyday life like builds upon this bro if you don't know what electricity is you ain't gonna understand what lights are you know what i'm saying you ain't gonna understand what a television is you're not gonna understand what a tv show is they might look at this box moving and they might think it's a real thing they might be watching a show and they might think it's a real look at something but but it's too much to explain you know Mm. and so that's why they have to speak in their layman's terms and then that's why like even when when daniel had the vision and Daniel was trying to ask the angel what this means. They was like, bro, don't worry. This is here for you right now. You know what I mean? Just trot it down. You know what I'm saying? We can get to that when it's time. Mm-hmm. And so even with us, bro, it's prophecy. We had, bro, we had Revelation. What, two thousand, Almost 2,000 years now, we had the book of Revelation. And some stuff still just being revealed now. Mm-hmm. We see in prophecy being fulfilled now. And then it makes sense. Oh, this didn't mean that. This meant that. Mm-hmm. You know, and vice versa. Like some people are... I just had a conversation like a month or two ago asking me if the mark of the beast is a physical thing 
or what, you know what I'm saying? Would it physically be written in your hand? You know what I'm saying? Is it the chip? This and that and third? Because of the fuck, because there's so much conspiracy around that, you understand that people do not understand. When it comes, people might still don't, don't understand, but when it does come for sure, the the ones that, you know, have ears to hear, they gonna hear, you know, otherwise they see they they're not gonna miss it. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, I but. just saved myself an next tangent. <laughs> I just gonna fight it. All right. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, just bring it back. Like this, like the prayer really has a lot of foresight, a lot of depth, a lot of meaning. And man, it's truly beautiful to see like this and, th- and the context of it all. This is a king praying for his people and praying for God, not only to like, the future prayers to your point, man, like, you know what? None of us perfect. So it don't make no sense me just saying, Lord. I've seen, like, you know, history's been written. We've done this before. Mm-hmm. Saying we ain't going to fall and who knows what's going to happen in two months, right? Mm-hmm. But Lord, like, I pray you this. Whenever we earnestly call out to you, mm-hmm. please hear our prayer. Mercy. No matter if we're in the, the, in the depths of the grass of the enemy, please hear our prayer. And man, this is going to be so much more powerful when we get to these points. Because I'm even thinking about, like, why was David praying every day mm. towards the towards his, uh, to da- his, Daniel? Daniel, my yeah. bad. Daniel praying every day towards Jerusalem. Mm. We see someone pray that if you do this, <laughs> you know you gonna re- you gonna rescue us from our land. Ooh. That's because, bro. I honestly, I didn't even I, I did growing up. They didn't talk about Solomon's prayer like that. You know what I'm saying so. Like it's just so powerful to see like, someone prayed this prayed this prayer for you like almost two hundred years ago, bro. Mm. And knowing that God's a God who honors His word. Knowing that no matter when it was said, if God said he'll do it, if I do my part, bro, God will keep up his end of the bargain. The mom was praying for times when we stray away from God worship idols and our enemies take us far away, bro. Far on there, bro. You know what I'm saying? Bro, that's, like, bro, that's crazy, bro. Like, bro, and this ain't even happened yet. That's, that's why I'm saying that's like, what tripping that's, me that's, up, bro. Like, he's like, bro, Lord, like, I, I, I have a feeling this. Why is this, you can see this wise powers kicking in now. Like, bro, Lord, this was, like, it's, it's, it's such a specific prayer to pray. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, it's so specific to pray in such a general way. Mm-hmm. I was in the, like, I feel like the prayer has so much more meaning for me, knowing what's going to happen. And seeing, like, bro, he's praying for these things, bro. And seeing that, yo, spoiler alert, surely we see, no matter who they was captive with, some of these kings themselves turn to God. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And say, oh yeah, y'all want to go back and build your wall and y'all yeah, just go. Like, the, how that makes sense? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he just, the king before me just destroyed that. You know what I mean? Or, or the kings before me destroyed that. Now Ex- we building it back. Like. Exactly. And we're seeing God time after time after time again hearing his children's cry hmm. like the time of the judges and saying, all right, they repented, they cried out for help, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help them. And Solomon prayed for that. Hmm. Before it even happened, like, mm. it reminds me of something like we used to say in college, growing up, praying mothers and praying grandmothers, like, it's what keeping me alive here. Mm. And it's crazy, a praying king is what's, even though he's not perfect, and we're going to get into Solomon downfalls pretty soon, but it's just so powerful that, bro, how God uses the imperfect to still bring about his will, bro. Bro, I really can't wait. <laughs> like, this this has so much depth, but I really... I want to get deeper into Solomon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I can't wait till we start, till we get beyond the temple and talk a little bit about, about Solomon. Because, bro, it's a point. I, I, I could just make it now and I could make it later then too, bro. Bro, nothing is guaranteed, bro. 
your daddy could be a pastor. You could be a pastor. That don't guarantee in, that don't guarantee you a spot in heaven. Mm. You could cast out demons. You could preach. That don't guarantee you a spot in heaven. You understand what I'm saying? You could know the Bible from front to back. You know what I mean? That don't guarantee you a spot, bro. You know what I mean? If 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 you if like, cause cause at the end of the day, it's a hard issue. Solomon was a man that know it all, bro, but did not do. He knew, but did not do, bro. Mm. And that is blowing my mind. You know, you know how risky it is <laughs> to be involved in certain things, and that did not stop you. Mm-hmm. And but bro, like you could be, you could be anointed. You could be a disciple of Jesus. Mercy. And still in his presence. In his presence, bro, and still miss out. You know, and boy, that's 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 chilling to me, bro. Like I, Solomon is a very interesting man. Like, just to be completely honest. All right. Um, in verse 54. 54. And so it was when Solomon had finished praying all this prayer and supplication to the Lord, and that he arose before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread open to heaven, that he stood and blessed the assembly of Israel, saying with a loud voice. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to that all that he had promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he had promised to his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us. As he was with our fathers, may he not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. And he commanded as he, which he commanded our father. Solomon sounds like a pastor right now. I ain't even gonna lie. He given, he really given it up. For <laughs> true. And may these words of mine, which I have made supplication before the Lord, be near the Lord our God day and night, and that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel, as each day may require that all the peoples of the earth may know it. The Lord is God. There is no other. The Lord is God. Mm. There is no other. Let your heart therefore be loyal to the Lord your God and to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments at this day. Then Solomon the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices to the Lord and Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord 22,000 bulls. So it could be counted. <laughs> now. <laughs> I mean, it, and, I, and I get it because like really and truly, but who really counting 22,000 bulls? You see that? I said, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of bulls, but yeah. that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For real. You can lose me at 10. Yeah, real dog, bro. Like, I ain't got the kind of time and then what's it going to benefit? What's it going to benefit, bro? Like, what's it going to benefit me? Just know it was a lot. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so it was um, 120,000 sheep. That's crazy, though. Wait, bro. What? Man. Think about it, bro. All he's getting sacrificed that one day, bro. Yeah. I'd have to be more sheep to eat tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my. On the same day, the king cons- consecrated the middle of the court that was in the front of the house of the Lord. And there he burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings because the bronze altar that was before the Lord was too small to receive the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> At that time, Solomon held a great feast. And all Israel was with him, a great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt before the Lord our God, seven days and and seven more days, 14 days. On the eighth day, 
he sent the people away and he blessed and they blessed the king and they went to their tents joyful and glad of heart for all the, the good that the Lord has done for his servant David and for his people Israel. Amen. Ooh, here ends the reading. Here ends the reading of the word. I can't believe we made it through. Mercy. That was a mouthful. Yeah, we, we had to we had to we had to run it though, like that, bro. We had to just keep it pushing. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, no, like, you can't take too much challenges in this prayer. Real dog. He ain't gonna finish this. But it was a, it was one consistent theme though. Lord, if we do good, you know what I'm saying? Like just you know, continue to blast us. Bro, he even prayed for the foreigners, bro. Oh, that was the next point I gotta make. But you can you can you can go, go for it. No, bro, like my thing is when you look at the New Testament, it's a lot of emphasis put on the Gentiles, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Paul had a campaign where he's like, bro, we preaching to the Gentiles, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then even with prophecy, you know, it was, you know, the the um the seven-week prophecy. Jesus died in the middle of the, the week, which is three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And then the, the next three and a half years is preaching to the Jews. You know what I'm saying? And then from there, we preach into the Gentiles and everybody have an opportunity for Christ now. This It's not like some type of club, you know, that the issue, um, the Jews who were God's chosen people, they held it as a badge of honor. But at the end of the day, the Messiah came for all. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting to me is that they did have held it as a badge of honor, and it was rich history in in Judaism and just with the Israelites. But I feel like at some point along the way, it was forgotten that God was a God for all as well. He prayed for the foreigner. He said, "Lord, when the foreigner come here, you know they pray this and that. Don't don't deny them. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying?" and we can see where Solomon wrote Solomon and um and David. You look, you read some of the Psalms and some of the Proverbs, bro. They they are very open about God blessing the foreigner. You know what I'm saying? About loving your enemy and all of this and that. So sometimes I question where did this where did this um ethnocentrism come about with the Hebrews, where it's like it was just God for us and none for y'all. You know what I'm saying? And none for no one else. What you can't, Jesus? Like I get it. I get it. it. Was history with certain people, like the people who enslaved you. I get this bad blood there. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? But just because it's a Gentile, Jesus can't feed the, them the five thousand men. Like you know, because like but the two big feedings. Mm -hmm. The first one was in like an Israelite town. The next one was in like a Canaanite town, mm -hmm. a Canaanite whatever area. Gentiles. I don't. I don't want to say Canaanites. Gentiles. The disciples, I can understand the disciples the first time, like, bro, how are we going to do this? They see it happen. The second time, <laughs> they're like, how are we going to do this, right? But in my mind, I'm like, bro, y'all probably only doing this because y'all among Gentiles. Y'all feel like God going to bless the Jews and, the, and and perform miracles. But now when it comes to the Gentiles. Like, surely not. Like, surely not. The Canaanite woman, the disciples are like, run this woman, man. Get her, get her from around here. Yeah, which, ah, man, it's so interesting, too, because I'm like... Even though they treated Samaritans, mm -hmm. I'm like, why y'all all Jews? Not, not Jews, but they all Israelites. That's what I mean. I'm like, right. Yeah. See, it's, it's, Jews is from, I guess, Judah, but right. still. No, no, no. Like, the, no the reason why I'm saying that is because as we get more so along in... in I know, it's, it's coming. With the kingdoms, 
It was one set of kingdoms. They was like, all right, y'all was worshiping the golden calf. I don't want to be associated with y'all set. You know what I mean? And Samaria is like the capital city of them. Mm-hmm. So they probably, over the years, they probably might even blame the Samaritans for getting for, captured. For getting captured because they get captured first. You know what I mean? And then we get captured. And this, they might, they might just have animosity to, towards them because at some point in time, the Jews, they look like they turned back to God, even though they were still under Roman captivity. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it still was like, I still look at y'all as like, y'all the diluted race, bro, because y'all intermingle, intermarry, and y'all might still be worshiping idols and things. But my thing is, we could see from even Solomon time where it, it was no, it was no type of exclusion if you come into God. If you come into God, you come to the temple and you praying, God accept them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's the overall understanding, you know? And it's just it's just interesting to me. I'm 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 pretty sure it's a lot of nuance that I'm just not privy to. And I'm speaking from from an outsider looking in, especially an outsider who has all my life seen God Jesus be for everybody who who wants him, you know, every culture, every language, you know what I'm saying? But it like it's just so interesting to me how this um this secret, I don't know, like I know, just being stingy. <laughs> With their with their God, like how that cultivated all throughout the Old Testament and to the point where we met Jesus and the Jews in the New Testament, you know? That's a fact. Yeah. Solomon, bro, he's he was wise and you would you would believe that he wrote this. Like, if this was in Chronicles, you know, I'd I'd be like, all right, someone else help edit these these parts, because y'all already know everything. But no, this this before this before um Israel is <laughs> before they go crazy. <laughs> this before Israel went like, yo, like it's about to get real it's about to get it's about to get real interesting. Yeah, they go on bonkers, bro. <laughs> like, My boy said bonkers, wow. <laughs> Israel they needed they had to reach height. See, this a high this this one of the higher heights they reach. Mm-hmm. But they they was going for for one of the lower lowest too though. Like <laughs> Like just the duality. <laughs> That's a fact. Overall, what do you think is like the best part of this chapter? Uh, I think the best part of this chapter is really like reading this and you know being a part of this episode. It felt it 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 was a point in time when we was reading and I kind of remembered poetry. Like it's days when you on stage and you just being so honest and you just being so vulnerable that you know. It ain't the times when the crowd going crazy just being entertained, but it's a time when we all connecting and we all just listening and, you know, just learning. And it's like a, what's they call it? Intimate, it's like an intimate moment, like an intimate setting. That's how I imagine this prayer being. I'm probably wrong because I imagine that it was a lot of people, probably all the people from all the nation, um, the, the tribes of Israel were in town because this is a big festival and it's happening for 14 <coughs> days, you know what I'm saying? But to me, this felt like a very vulnerable and transparent moment when Solomon was was praying, you know? when Because this around this all around atonement, you know, this all around the year of Jubilee. Like, if you're the wisest man, I expect you to give a speech like that. I expect you to give a speech calling out the good, the bad, and the ugly. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And and the borderline theme is that God is still good despite all of this. And it's 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 a two-way street. 
he is righteous to us, but we also need to be righteous, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's that's one of the biggest points that I that I got from from this um, from this chapter. I think I just get the from this chapter like something I know, but it's just like firmly reminded, just like the power of prayer, man. Mm. The power of prayer. And nothing in his prayer was for him. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's really like, Lord, like, thank you for everything you've done for us. And Lord, here are some, you know, requests. Like, we're not perfect people. I'm not going to stay here and lie and say we're going to be perfect people. What I am going to say is we might do our best, but Lord, when we mess up, hmm. hear our prayer. Because it's not a really a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. Mm-hmm. And I just find that so powerful because, again, just think about the people who, who prayed for us, man, like our parents, probably loved ones. Like, just think about the times I probably had like my, my mommy, Grammy, daddy, you know what I'm saying? Different people just praying for me that you don't even know about, right? Mm-hmm. And how that prayer could have affected your life. A silent prayer, but they did. And they might do it in, in open, but you weren't there. But like how it affected your life. And I'm saying like, I'm just thinking about like what's going to happen in the Bible and just saying like, yo, no, Solomon prayed that when this happened, God heard their prayer and don't forget them. Hmm. And man, like just, just the power of prayer. Like, man, he covered almost everything. Foreigners, people who come to the temple to do oats. When, when we mess up, when we get captured, when we do this, when we do that. Like... Lord, whatever the circumstances are, hear our prayer when we come to you. And I think that's like, that's just impossible for every for everybody because, again, it's not a matter if we're going to mess up, just a matter of when. And when we do, it's, re- it's just very reassuring that we have a God who is willing, able, ready, eager to forgive us from our sins, man. Hmm. No matter the circumstances, not saying you're not going to pay your consequences now, but God is still willing and ready to forgive us. So, I mean, I just feel like, they just, like that's just the most powerful thing from like, this whole chapter for me. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Prayer is powerful. And, you know, this is uh, this, uh, this an interesting <coughs> moment in, in, the Israelite, in the Israelite story. This, the temple, so... Like I, I just feel like Christians in general, we know we we are familiar with New Testament. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people do not even read Old Testament that much. They, mm-hmm. they just straight New Testament, God, peace, peace, love, all that. But you understand the temple. In the New Testament, there was a temple. You know, this wasn't that temple, but this is where it all started. This is a transitional phase in the Israelite story. And one thing I will not discount is the fact that they 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 doing it right. They start off on the right foot. When they were under the, the um leadership of Saul, they might not have been the most devout then, even before then, when Samuel was the leader, Samuel did a good job of trying to get people to understand and try to rid the city of idols and stuff like that. But now, two kings later, or this king number three. We in a place where we put in God first. We have a temple for God. The Ark of the Covenant is there. The, the Ten Commandments is there. The king is familiar with the commandments. And you know that he is familiar with Deuteronomy because he is speaking mm-hmm. from the understanding of what will happen then. You know what I'm saying? And he is petitioning to God. He's putting God first um, and asking God to continue to bless them with the understanding that we will also need to be good. 
one thing that is interesting too beyond that is that he has repeated i think this might be the second time he mentioned that if or this is the second time the book mentions it because god might have been mentioned the first time that if you are uh um, faithful to me, God. Exactly. If you are faithful to God, mm-hmm. that will never your seed will never depart from this throne. Mm-hmm. It's a fact. It's a it was a plan. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Even back in Genesis, when Jacob was given his prayer, he said, "The scepter shall not depart until Shiloh come." Peace, Shiloh, peace. Mm-hmm. This is that was a prophecy for for Jesus. Jesus comes from the lineage of David, which is also the lineage of Solomon. You know, and so. The plan, as of right, like even even right now that we are on the we, we are on the story, the plan is for there's for there always to be a king leading all the way up until Jesus remains, you know. And now it is up to Israel to continue on this path of righteousness. Of righteousness. Solomon's house, as well as the temple, are both complete, and now. During the festive time of the year, Solomon dedicated the temple unto the Lord. His prayer was impactful and thorough, and it petitioned God to hear the cry of Israel even after their downfall. But will God respond personally to this prayer? We'll find out on the next episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. Tonight's episode included voice acting by your host, Nikaz Gay. Remember to go ahead and research on your own in order to get a more firm understanding of tonight's episode. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can follow us on social media at A Breath of Fresh Air Pod on Instagram and B O F A P O D on Twitter. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next week.